You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. Go to Psalms 136. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to be in your presence this morning. That you have saw fit to, to allow us into your presence is absolutely stunning. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love for us. Guard us and protect us today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read the first four verses out of the text and then we'll dive in. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord this morning. When you and I start our prayer lives in a state of thankfulness, it will transform the way we interact with God. Oftentimes, perspectives drive reality, and when we don't cling to the truth of what God's Word says about who God is, it can cause us, as human beings, to think wrongly about who God is and the relationship that he has with his children. But when we begin to understand how much God does indeed cherish and love his children, our perspectives begin to change. Amen? Our, our perspectives begin to look different when we start to see what God has done for his children and our desires will f- to follow him, our desire to worship him and to obey him will be preeminent in our lives. The world around us likes to paint a picture of God as being an overactive killjoy or they like to try to paint him as an overbearing um, ogre. And this is what happens when sinful humanity attempts to paint a picture of a perfect God. That's, that's what ends up happening to you and I. Is, where, is when a sinful humanity tries to paint a picture of a perfect God, we get a skewed view of who God is. You and I can't do it in our humanness. Our human, when a, when a fallen human being who is outside of the Lord Jesus Christ attempts to paint a picture of who God is, um, it, it doesn't ever work. It's like trying to explain to a blind man what the color of a blue Colorado skyline next to the mountains look like. It's absolutely impossible. It's like trying to climb up Mount Everest naked. It's not going to work. It's not until the Holy Spirit of God does His redemptive work in our hearts and the regeneration of our hearts 
that we can truly understand who God is. It's not until the Holy Spirit of God uses the Word of God to begin to convey the overwhelming majesty of who Jesus truly is. Psalms chapter 34 verses 7 through 8 tells us that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So when you and I begin to have a line of thinking like Psalms 136 tells us, it will, we will truly have a mindset that God is good. We will taste and see that God is good. We are continuing our, this morning our mini-series on Thanksgiving and having a spirit of Thanksgiving in the life of a believer. And this psalm this morning over and over and over again, expresses thanksgiving to God for who he is and what he's done on our behalf. And we're going to look at the first four verses this morning. And I, I want us to see this in the light of and in the spirit of thanksgiving towards God for what he's done on our behalf. So like, I'm going to read the first verse. We already read the overview of verses 1 through 4, but I'm going to read it again because I believe faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the first verse here is, Give thanks to God, or I'm sorry, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. C.S. Lewis once wrote in his book, The Chronicles of Narnia, and he talked about Aslan. He was the Christ figure in the text. Um, and he said that, God, that, that Aslan was not safe but he was good. Christ has been overwhelmingly good to every single one of us in this room. You say, Caleb, how can you say that? You woke up. You woke up and put your feet on the floor. You got in a car and you drove here. Of The ability to do that is God allowing you to do that. The breath that you're taking in this moment is a revelation that God is good to you. That God is allowing breath to come into your body right now is a magnificent picture of who God is. He's been overwhelmingly good to everyone in this room. Even in the worst moments of our lives, we can find reason to see that God is and has been good to us. It just it boggles my mind when I see and hear people say that God has been unfair to them or unjust to them. And I have to ask God to give me restraint to understand those people's circumstances because we as human beings do not deserve anything other than the wrath of God. I, as your pastor, deserve the wrath of God, but he overwhelmingly grants me his goodness and his mercy. Anybody else in the room? Okay, a couple of you, good. I'm, just, we're in the right, I'm in the right company then. At a recent Ligonier conference, um, someone asked R.C. Sproul, obviously R.C., this is, when I say recent, this is when the last several years, because R.C. has gone on to be with the Lord um, but at a recent conference, someone asked R.C. this question. Since God is slow to anger and patient, then why when man first sinned was his wrath and punishment so severe and long-lasting? That was a question that someone asked him. Um, 
his response was, he got a little testy and he said, what's, and he didn't say it this calm, he said, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> that, was, that was how he starts, the, starts it. And then he goes on and he says, That's, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is and we don't know who we are. The question rather should be is, why wasn't it infinitely more severe? And he followed that statement up and said, this creature from the dirt defied the everlasting God. And instead of dying that day, he lived another you see, God is good. The moment that you and I sin, we deserve the death that God says comes with sin. For the wages of sin is what? Death. That's what you and I deserve. But you see, God's good. And that you and I got up this morning and were able to do what we were able to do. The coffee that we drank, the donuts that we ate, the breath that we that we took in, that is a picture and the a gift from a good and merciful God. Amen? Amen? Alright, we've got a couple in here. And when we begin to understand that, our response is what? To give thanks to God, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Look at verse 2 and th- 2 and 3 actually. Give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endureth forever. So this is a double picture here that he is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the top sovereign preeminent king of kings. We live in a culture today that teaches that there are many paths to God. And everyone is on their own path to find God. Mahatma Gandhi once said, If a man reaches the heart of his own religion, he reaches the heart of other religions too. There, that, that, think about that quote. Think about what just, if, you, if a man reaches the heart of his own religion, he reaches the heart of every other religion because all paths lead to God. That's what Mahatma Gandhi taught. That's what Oprah teaches. That's what so many in our world teach. But here's what Jesus taught. You guys ready for this one? John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's an exclusive claim, amen? Like that's an exclusive, there's an exclusivity in that statement that shuts off every other religion, every other path, every other opportunity to get to God is shut off by that one statement. That claim from Jesus goes against Gandhi's claim, Oprah's claim, and every other world leader that says there's multiple paths to God. That is an exclusive claim. Christianity is very exclusive. It excludes those who don't obey and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I do love this quote, though, from Kevin DeYoung. He's a Reformed Presbyterian pastor. He said, Now, you've got to listen to this. All paths lead to God, but only one path 
will present you before God without fault and with great joy. Pick a path, any path, it will lead you to God. Trust me, you will stand before him one day and you will meet your maker. You will see the face of Jesus. There are many ways up that mountain, but only one will result in life rather than destruction. Pretty good, right? You see, the point is that everyone is going to meet God. Everyone will meet God, but some, when they meet Him, it will cause great fear and dread in them when they see Him. It won't be a rapture, it'll be a rupture. <laughs> it won't be excitement for some. It won't be, I've been waiting. It'll be like, man, I wish I had just a little bit more time. I wish I could go back and have just a little more time. It'll cause dread in some, but joy and everlasting peace for others. The writer of Acts says in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, he says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which to be saved. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the exclusive pathway into eternal life. Anything outside of... Now, let me even go even further. That is the Jesus of the Bible. I know that people in America, we create Jesus in our own minds. We create a picture of Jesus. My God... How many of you guys have heard this? Well, my God wouldn't send anybody to hell. My God... Because, well, if you read the Bible, He sends people to hell. You say, well, my God would allow me, my God wouldn't push in on me and make me do things that I don't like to do. Well, that's silly because, I mean, how many, how many of y'all have had parents? How many parents have made their kids do things they don't like? Thanks, Noah. Like, Jesus is going to press in on you sometimes, and you're going to have to do things that you don't like to do sometimes. If you follow him, he is going to press in on you and get up. He's going to draw sin out. He's going to cause in you to want to, you're going to, man, ah, I gotta, it hurts sometimes, but man, sometimes you got to get the poison out. You got to draw, Jesus draws the poison out. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He is the only way. He is the single, solitary God of gods and Lord of lords. And when the way we see God goes against how God talks about himself in the scriptures, it is we who have to back down and repent. It is we who have to change our minds. Why? Because we have a faulty view of who God is. It's not God that has a faulty view of who God is. God doesn't have a view of himself. Well, God's got to change his view of who he is. No, it is you who must capitulate. It is not God who has to change his mind. It is not the other way around. It's not God must change. It is I that must change. It is I who must repent. It is Christ who paints the proper portrait of who he is. Amen? 
So therefore, we are to give thanks to the God, to God because He is God. We are to give thanks to God because He is the sovereign Lord. Not just a God. I know that there's a lot of people who say He's one of a myriad of gods. He's not just a God. He, he is the only triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Co-equal with one another. The triune, sovereign king of the universe. We are to offer praise and thanksgiving because Jesus is the only way to find everlasting life and he, he is the one who deserves that praise and that thanksgiving. Back to Psalms 136 verse 4 now. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endureth forever. Uh, I have been reading as of late a guy named J.I. Packer. Love J.I. Packer. In his book, Knowing God, he states that Christian, the Christian instincts of trust and worship are stimulated very powerfully by knowledge of the greatness of God. When we stop and think about the majesty of God and who He truly is, it is a life-altering idea. It is a life-altering mindset to be in. And the word majesty actually comes from the Latin word where we get our word greatness from. So majesty and greatness, they're hand in hand. It's a, it's a beautiful correlated word Greatness and majesty. That is who God is. Hmm. And God deserves every ounce of majesty that humanity can give Him. Why? Because of the great things that Jesus Christ has done for us. That's number one. Number two, it's because He's God and He deserves it. He's God and He deserves that praise. He deserves that adoration. Psalms 95 verse 3 and, and verse 6 also say, For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Little g. Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. This is what is owed to the Lord. But often what happens in our 21st century Christianity... Christians' lives, this, this attempt to press this out worship-wise becomes feeble. It's a feeble attempt at worship because our faith is so flabby and lacks actual substance. Again, I want to quote J.I. Packer again. He says, when the person in the church, let alone the person in the street, uses the word God... The thought is rarely divine majesty. Many of us, that's the end of that quote, many of us use his name as curse words. Oh my God. Oh Jesus Christ. Lord have mercy. God. Anybody guilty of that one? Me? And let me tell you, if you read the Ten Commandments, when the Lord was giving Moses the Ten Commandments, He said, you should not take the Lord your God's name in vain. I will not hold those who do so guiltless. This will have repercussions. And if we're doing that, 
I've caught myself. I have to repent immediately. I've done it, and I'm just like, how many guys have? Oh God! Like I, the Holy Spirit zings me. It's like you can't do that. God's name is to be revered above all names. We need to cease this immediately. But what happens in our modern sophistication and technology? We're not awed at who God is. We're not awed at who God is, but rather we're we're just sort of kind of yeah, it's just another thing. Have you seen the supercomputers? Have you seen the phone that we hold? Have you seen all the amazing technological advances that we have? Those are going to pale in comparison to who Jesus really is. Those are going to pale in comparison to who Jesus truly is. There will be a day when we will see him for who he truly is and we will be in absolute awe and there will be no one going, yeah, I know, that's beautiful, but have you seen uh, my car? Have, Have you seen this? Have you seen the lake? Have you seen that? We aren't going to be that way when we see the Lord Jesus Christ in his full majesty. We will be in awe of who he is. And the text tells us that we will bow our knees to him and we will worship our maker. Now, those that are in Christ, that's going to be a joyous occasion when we bow our knees to him and say, Jesus is Lord. But those that are outside of Christ, you're still going to do it, but that doesn't mean you get in. Remember the exclusive claim? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Some of us have not repented and followed Christ the way we should. And so, as a result of that, what's going to happen? Yeah, you're going to say Jesus is Lord, but that's as far as it goes for you. Isaiah saw this and saw who Jesus was truly in Isaiah chapter 8. And he literally, after seeing God, he's the preacher of the day. Isaiah is the preacher of the day. He sees God in all of his sovereign beauty, all of his holiness, all of his majesty. And he sees him and he doesn't walk up and be like, man, what's up, JC? He doesn't do that. He doesn't go, what's up, homie? I saw a teacher the other day that said, Jesus is my homeboy. I can promise you, I can probably make almost a guaranteed blanket statement if someone's wearing that t-shirt, Jesus probably ain't your homeboy. Because you don't understand the full weight of who God is. This guy, Isaiah, the preacher of the day, pronounces a curse on himself when he sees the majesty and the holiness of who God is. The idea in Psalms 136 is that all reverence and all worship and all respect is due his name alone. We do not have a, or we should not have a cavalier or careless attitude when it comes to who God is. We don't even do that with people we respect. I, I don't know if I, I think I've told this story here, but I'm going to tell it again. Several years ago, I was in high school. Uh, my brother and I were in Casper, Wyoming. How many of you guys have ever been to Casper? A couple of you. There's a rodeo that takes place in Casper. It's a big, it's a big rodeo. And we decided it was, we got in for free. It was a free night. And so we went in. And there was a guy named Joe Beaver. Joe Beaver is a rodeo guy. In the rodeo circuits, I guess he's a big, he's a big guy. I'm not that guy. My brother literally lost his mind. And said, wait, Joe Beaver's here? Joe Beaver's here? 
And I was like, yeah, he is here. And David's like, man, I wish I could meet him. I was like, well, let's go find him. So we snuck past security. We got past all this. We found Joe Beaver. Like, I'm just that guy. I'm the guy that will sneak past security to go find somebody I want to meet. And I'm, I didn't care, but my brother cared. And I wanted my brother to meet this guy. So I was like, all right, come on, Dave, let's go. So we sneak past security. We get around the side. We get in there. We find tra- Joe Beaver's trailer. The lights are on in the trailer. I walk up and I... David, a whole way we're talking. He's like, I can't wait to meet this guy. I'm going to say this. I can't wait. I'm going to high five him. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. But I can't wait to see him. Like he's got that mindset. He's really, really excited. We knock on, I, I knock on Joe's door. He opens the door and nothing but a whitey tidy underwear. That was awkward in and of itself, number one. Number two, I said, Mr. Beaver, I'm Caleb Gordon. Great to meet you. Sorry we're trying to, but my brother is a gigant, just a huge fan and would love to say hi to you. And my brother just goes, I mean, he fangirled out to the point where he just lost his mind. Like, and I did all the talking. Imagine that. I did all the talking. I, I tried to, David just, uh, uh, uh. He can't even get words out. That's how much he liked this guy at the time. I, I mean, it's, and as we walked out, he's like, that was so cool. I'm like, bro, you didn't even say anything. You've said nothing. You drooled a little bit. What in the world? Why? Because he had such respect and awe. Of, oh my goodness. He had put this guy at such a high rate, such a high pedestal. He had absolute just, he couldn't even talk. He was so excited. He was so enamored by who this guy was. And that's a human being. There's going to come a day when you're going to see God and you're not going to be like, hey, you're going to be like, You're going to be so excited at who he is and you're going to be so in awe of who he is if you're in Christ. Now, like I said, if you're outside of Christ, there's going to be dread. Like, like Kevin DeYoung said, you're going to meet him. It's either going to have immense joy or it's going to be horrific dread. Because you will know, you will know who he is. And it's a lot like if I tried to jump the, the White House fence and said, man, I know the president. If I tried to get there, well... That's a, this is a bad illustration because he might not know. Never mind. But you, get, but you get it. If I jumped the fence and I said, listen, I know who that guy is. The president's going to say, I don't know who he is. Get him out. Some of you in here, like, I know who that guy is. It's Jesus. I know who he is. Matthew chapter 7 says that he's going to come a day when he's going to say, I don't know who you are. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. If you're not in his fold, if you're not in his family, you're just his creation. Not everyone is a child of God. Everyone is a creation of God, but not everyone is a child of God. Now, if you want to be a child of God, he's in the adoption business. I can tell you that much. Anybody in the room been adopted by, the, by God? Come on. Yeah, he's in the adoption business. He can save and redeem sinful humanity. Amen? If he can save me, he can save anybody. And, and when, we see, when we see the majestic God of the Bible... When we start to view him in this, we can't help but have a spirit of thanksgiving for what he's done and who he is. When the angel of the Lord said to Isaiah, Behold, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for, he jumps at the opportunity to serve the Lord. He says, Here I am, God, send me. Here I am, send me. 
He doesn't sit back. I hope he doesn't see me. He jumps at the opportunity. He says, who who will go for us? And Isaiah, me, 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 I'll go. I'll do it. Why? Because he saw who God was and what God has done on his behalf. And it's just amazing. I know I've quoted this guy a couple times already, but J.I. Packer again in his book, Knowing God, says this. We are poles apart from our evangelical forefathers at this point in history. Even when we confess our faith in their words, when you start reading Luther, Edwards, and Whitfield, though your doctrine may be similar to theirs, you soon will find yourself wondering whether you have any acquaintance with the mighty God of the Bible whom they knew so intimately. The Puritans held a much grander view of God than you and I do. Go, go, go read some of the Puritans' works and see how they viewed God. And it looks like, man, I, I would say, even for me, I look like an unbeliever compared to some Puritans. Our technology has caused us to see God as so small and so finite. And that, my friends, is to our own detriment. Because he is not finite, he is infinite, he alone is great and does great things. So this should cause in us awe and wonder at who God truly is. And when we see him this way, when we begin to see him this way, it should cause in us to have a heart level attitude of thanksgiving for the love that he has bestowed upon us, that he's granted to us. I can't help but echo Paul. In Romans chapter 7, verse 24 through 25, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, what a great thing. What a beautiful thing to see this. So again, I say as Psalms 136, verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. When this is conveyed in prayer, it dramatically changes our lives. When we start to see God this way, and we start to pray, and we start to pray out and, and, and worship the Lord Jesus Christ in this manner, it will dramatically change our lives. When we understand how great and how good and how mighty Jesus truly is, we will walk differently with God and with those around us. Amen? When we engraft, when we fuse in to our daily lives who God is, it will transform the way we communicate. It will transform the way we act. It will cause in us to have an attitude of gratitude towards Jesus and will change the way we interact with people in general. Again, God is Good and he is to be worshiped solely and above all else. We are to put him as preeminent because he deserves to be preeminent in our lives. Amen. He deserves that. And so, what I would like to do for us as we did this last week, I want us to sing the doxology again as we get ready to leave. Because I just, that song, the way it, it, it we'll sing it just a cappella. But I want us to sing this out. And as we sing this first verse of the doxology together, I want us to sing this 
and think about the majesty of who God is and what he's done on our behalf. I just think that it's, it's so amazing who God is and what he's done for us. So in closing this morning, as we, as we go towards this week of Thanksgiving, I know that like, kids are out of school and things are just, everything's going to get chaotic and people are going to be rushing around doing this, doing that, going here, going here, going, just, we do all the things we do. Just take a moment and just breathe and let the God of the universe wash over you today. And thank him for who he is and what he's done on your behalf. And if you're not a Christian, you're not in the fold of God, you're not in the family of God, you can be. What's the, what's the, what's the call here? Repent to believe. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent to believe the gospel. Repent of your sins and believe the good news about who Jesus is. Believe, about, believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for your sin. That's the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for sinful humanity that would believe. So let's stand together and let's sing this together. Got your insert here. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas 67024. God bless you.